everyone, and welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we are trying to help you bridge the gap between the ancient scriptures and everyday life, because the Bible belongs in every part of our lives every day. It is the always up-to-date living word. My name is Matthew Kane, and I'm joined again today by David Williamson, coming to us from Belfast in episode 23. David began a study with us on the subject of discipleship in Mark's gospel. Today is part two. David, thanks for joining us again. Pleasure to be here again, Matthew. Uh, thanks for having me back to think a little more about the subject. Our privilege, and you mentioned last time the importance of the Lord's call to follow him. You showed us that following the Lord involves submitting to the authority of his word, being willing to be associated with him in everyday life. What's on your mind for study number two? Well, we, we drew those lessons from Mark chapter 1, and I want to look with you today at the next occasion in Mark where the Lord Jesus calls his disciples to himself. So I want to read in Mark chapter 3, and we'll begin there at verse 13. Uh, we read there, and he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He, he appointed the twelve, uh, and then we, we read the list of the names of the twelve whom he appointed. Now, uh, here the Lord calls the disciples and, and they come to him, but uh, the emphasis in the call here is different than the first call in chapter 1. If we look at verse number 14, it tells us that he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and that he might, might send them out to preach. You can see that the, the first intention here expressed is that the Lord wanted the 12 to be with him. So on this occasion, it's not a, a call simply to follow, but, but rather it's a call into fellowship and friendship with the Lord here, he is not in front of his disciples, but but rather he, he's beside them and he wants them to walk with him and be his companions. Yeah, how easy it is to rush into our day's work, even with a, a scriptural understanding that whatever work we do is for him, but how easy it is to rush into working for him and neglect to spend time alongside him as his friends, when in fact enjoying that relationship is what we were made for and what we were saved for. Yeah, I, I think that's so important, Matthew. Uh, we're called not not so much to go somewhere or, or to do something great, but to be with someone, to be with the Lord. And I, I was enjoying the fact that if you look down the list of those whom the Lord called to be with him here, you soon discover that these are not perfect people by any means. Uh, Peter, you remember, uh, lacked courage when it was tested. And and James and John were, were quite self-centered, seeking great things for themselves. And, and Thomas was a, a man who, who doubted. And we could go on down through the list. The Lord selected imperfect people to be his companions and I have to say I'm glad about that because while this may come as a surprise to you, Matthew, I often have to face the fact that I am not perfect myself. Well, I don't know you super closely, David, but to be honest, no, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but, but only because we are all alike. And okay, I, I take comfort, you take comfort in the Lord knowing that we're not perfect. 
And actually, it reminds me of a great quote I saw recently from A.W. Tozer. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you most. And that's wonderful. And we rejoice in that. Is there, though, a practical sense in which we do need to live a certain way to enjoy this relationship? Not just to have the relationship that's been established by salvation, but to enjoy it and to really experience closeness with him. I'm just asking the question, is that dependent upon my practices as a disciple? Well, yes, I, I think that Mark really helps us here in the way that he's structured his gospel, because from chapter three through to chapter six, uh, there are three features which are, are brought out, which are really foundational to enjoying any relationship. And the first of these is that uh, friendship blossoms around a common interest. Further on down, Mark chapter three. Verse 35, uh, we read this, it says, uh, the Lord said, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, uh, maybe a little context helps here. Uh, just prior to this, the, the Lord's actual mother uh, and family have come looking for him. And it, it seems at this point that they're they're not really on the same wavelength as he is. In fact, he he's so busy that they think that he's out of his mind. They come, it would appear, with the intention of deflecting him from his busy service. Uh, when they arrive, the Lord is in a house with a group of with a, a crowd of people, and uh, they, they send someone into the house requesting him to come out to them. In that society, family relationships were very important, and it would have been expected that the Lord would immediately respond to the request. But that's not what he, he did. In fact, he, he turned to those who were with him in the house and he asked the question, who is my family? Or, or if you like, who, who is closest to me? Who, who are my nearest companions? Who are my truest friends? And uh, he, he gives the answer then, whoever does the will of God. So close fellowship with the Lord Jesus was certainly enjoyed more by those who shared this common interest with him, that is doing the will of God. So for us to enjoy friendship with the Lord, I think we must be delighting in and uh, doing what he himself delighted in and did. That is the will of God. In fact, anyone who shares the Lord's attitude to God's will will find themselves to be close companions of him. You know, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, has a, a good quotation in there, which is relevant. It, it says this, friendship arises out of mere companionship when Two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest. And he goes on then to say that friends are side by side, absorbed in some common interest. It's not hard to enjoy friendship with someone who has the same interests as you have. And the first thing which enables us to enjoy friendship or fellowship with the Lord is to share common interests with him. So. I take it there's a challenge in this for me and maybe for for all of us. Uh, do we delight in God's will? Do we want God to work out his purpose, his great goal in, in our lives? Is that something of supreme importance to us? And if it is, then I'll enjoy fellowship with the Lord 
and of course with with others who are of like mind and there there might be more of a challenge there too if we just are not presently enjoying the lord's presence in, in our lives we we should maybe ask ourselves is it that our interests are not as aligned as they should be with his yeah that's never a bad question to ask ourselves david thank you bonus points for quoting cs lewis <laughs> and uh, a text that comes to mind is matthew 6:21 where your treasure is there your heart will be also am i treasuring am i placing a lot of value on the things that are obviously precious to the lord as well okay so common interests will allow a relationship to flourish what else okay the the, the second one well, is again it's so foundational to to all our relationships and uh, yet yeah, it's something that we can all struggle with it's uh, communication uh, two-way communication sometimes husbands and wives have a, a problem in this area, sometimes children and parents have a problem. Uh, and wherever there's poor two-way communication, uh, a, a relationship suffers as a, a result. So in Mark 4, uh, there's a tremendous emphasis on the importance of communication. Uh, the Lord speaks in parables in that ch chapter. And uh, of course, there's a reason for that. Why, why didn't he just clearly articulate what he had to say? Well, the, the answer is that teaching in parables divided between those who truly wanted to understand him and those who had little interest or even were opposed to him. And uh, what we discover in Mark 4 is that the only people who benefited from his parables were those who listened well, who, who thought hard, who asked about the meaning. In other words, the only people who benefit from parables are those who really want to do so. So look look with me for a moment at, at Mark chapter 4 uh, and verse 9. The, the Lord ha has just told the parable of the sower uh, and he says there, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's been speaking to a very large crowd, but look at who responds to the Lord's appeal in verse 10. It says, when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So just, just a, a small group out of a large crowd, just a small group come and show their interest in understanding the Lord. They, they truly want to listen, they want to learn, and so they gain insight. Now, there are few secrets between good friends. Uh, you remember the Lord said to his, his disciples in the upper room, he, he said, uh, no longer do I call you servants, for the, the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. Uh, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So true disciples are, are those who want the will of God and true disciples are those who enjoy two-way communication with the Lord. He, he, he spoke to them, they listened, they spoke to him, he listened, and as a result, their knowledge of him and uh, of his purpose grew and they enjoyed fellowship with him. And that's a good example that you gave us from the upper room teaching. David, what about... Uh... Who was called, when I say a friend of God, who was called a friend of God explicitly in scripture? Who comes to your mind? Oh, Abraham. 
Yeah, so that's James chapter 2. Just letting our listeners know that was not a prepared softball question, nothing scripted or edited there, but you're right. And I bring that up here just because I think of Genesis 18, when God's about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And he doesn't hide it. He shares it with him. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham and God talked with each other. It seems to me now that you're really hitting at the heart of discipleship here. Are we learners? Do we listen to him? Do we learn from him as a disciple is supposed to do? And do we ask of him that we may learn more? Yes, Matthew, uh, that's an excellent example in Abraham. Um, there, there's just no getting away from the, the fact in Scripture that, that true discipleship does demand this two-way communication with the Lord. Uh, reading the Word of God, speaking to him in prayer about what we read is such a, a blessed experience. And, and it brings a believer into the joy of communion with the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so just to maybe be direct uh, uh, and personal, um, I should maybe ask all, all our listeners, uh, do you read the Bible regularly? And uh, in your reading, are you sincerely attempting to understand it? Uh, do you speak to the Lord about what you read? Uh, because doing so will deepen your fellowship with the Lord tremendously. And let me just throw a couple of direct personal questions back at you now, David. Do you, is it your practice to do your, uh, your main time of prayer? Would that be before you read or is it after you read and based on what you read? What's your own practice? Okay, uh, that's, uh, that's a good question. And uh, in recent times, maybe over the last couple of years, uh, my, my, my practice has been before I read, I, I simply ask the Lord to help me in my understanding of it. Then I read, spend a little time in the word, and then it's really after that that I would uh, pray. Uh, and I, I would lift out of what I read in the word of God some truths about God and uh, then seek to speak to God about these things. And I have found that that has uh, greatly increased uh, my enjoyment in prayer and also my, my understanding at times of the passage that I'm reading. Sure. And do you follow a reading plan? And do you have a set amount that you're trying to read every day? How does that work for you? Okay. Well, I I don't do uh, uh, the Bible in a year type plan, but what I do is e every morning I take one chapter of the Bible and uh, my goal really is to break down that chapter into a structure and then to draw from it uh, some truth about God and uh, a practical lesson if it's there for me. And so in, in three years, if you do that, you've got from Genesis to Revelation. And as well as that, you have notes on every chapter in the Bible. And I find that a very helpful way to, to go about it. I know that everyone has their own. Uh, what What's your uh, approach, Matthew? Yeah, mine would be quite similar. And I think I've shared it here on another mm -hmm. episode, so I won't go into the, the details as much now. But I have also enjoyed yeah, praying out of what I have read. I mean, if the Lord speaks to us about something, that's a good time to bring it right back to him and ask him for help to implement that in our lives or to share 
uh, even some joy that you've had in reading about Christ in that passage yeah. also. <laughs> I do have, uh, yeah, I don't I don't stick to a, a reading the Bible in a, in a year, but I do, I guess at times I've used more of a reading plan. Sometimes I'll move away from that based on circumstances in life at times or other responsibilities coming up. I don't like to be restricted that you've got to get through this portion in this amount of time so much as I want to think about what I have read and meditate on that and enjoy that. But um, there's certainly no harm in reading more of the Bible too. If you can take time to read more, fantastic. That's a great thing also. Absolutely. This is coming back to our discussion, I feel like in episode 23 as well, um, because in that episode, in your first discussion on discipleship, we spent a fair bit of time at the end talking about the word. We learned in that episode that we must acknowledge the Lord's authority and that authority is communicated through the word. And now we're talking about delighting in his will and listening to him as he communicates to us. And again, that involves his word. So the word of the Lord is going to be central in my journey as a disciple of the Lord. Uh, yes, Matthew, I, I think that is really the, the, the vital point. Um, you know, if I, if I was asked uh, what one thing is, is necessary to truly follow the Lord and uh, to uh, fellowship with him in life, I, I would say that uh, a person needs to value God's word. Uh, we, we can't progress as disciples of the Lord without doing that. Excellent. All right. So you've you said you had three qualities foundational to the enjoyment of friendship and fellowship. You've given us two, common interest, good communication. I'm guessing the third one starts with C as well. It does indeed. It does indeed. The the, the third is is confidence. You know, a, a relationship in which trust is absent is not an enjoyable relationship at all. And uh, from Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 right through to chapter 6 verse 6, the, the disciples are being taught time and again in that section the importance of trusting the Lord. You know, if we go down to the, the towards the end of Mark chapter 4 uh, in verse 40, the, the Lord rebukes his disciples. He says, why are you so afraid? Uh, have you still no faith? Now, this is a, a familiar story. Uh, the Lord was on the boat with his disciples. There's a storm uh, arose. The, the disciples, they, they panic. The Lord's sleeping. So he's not immediately responsive to them. And uh, they, they, they waken the Lord up in order to help them. But what did the disciples do wrong to receive the rebuke that the Lord Gave. Well, well, look at verse number 38. They, they said to him, do you not care that we are perishing? They, they accused the Lord really of lacking care for them. Now, their concern in the circumstance is completely understandable, but their accusation showed that they had a lack of confidence in the Lord. So after the Lord deals with the storm problem, then he rebukes them. He says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, our absence of confidence in the Lord can really spoil the enjoyment of fellowship with him. If I had a friend who every time I wasn't immediately available to him would uh, doubt my character and, and question my care for him, that would be a hard friendship to maintain and certainly a hard one to enjoy. 
And so, so we need to learn to trust the Lord in all our struggles in order to enjoy the fellowship that he wants us to enjoy. And uh, you know, I'll maybe just say as well that there are rewards for, for confidence in the Lord. We'll come to the end of, of Mark 5, uh, verse 36 there, the Lord says to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. Now, Jairus had just heard that his daughter was dead and uh, the Lord said, don't be afraid, just trust me. So Jairus, he silently follows the Lord and a few disciples and they, they go back to uh, Jairus's house. And when the Lord arrives, there's mourners already at the house, but they show no confidence in the Lord at all. So they're put out. A short while later, Jairus and his wife and his three disciples uh, and the Lord's three disciples uh, are amazed. And why is that? Well, they witness the power of the Lord in raising the little girl. The big question is, why were they there to see this? Uh, and the answer is that this little group had confidence in the Lord. And so they were privileged to be with him as he worked. And th those with no confidence were excluded from seeing the Lord's hand at work. Yeah, good stuff, David. So we're called to be with the Lord, to live with him beside us, to enjoy that fellowship with him. And if we are that close to him, we will see his power at work in our circumstances. That's what you're teaching us today. And that's a tremendous privilege. Yeah, I think it's it's truly wonderful, Matthew. In fact, when we think of our own discipleship and, and discipling others, I, I don't think there's a more important subject than uh, prioritizing our day-to-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord. And uh, we, we can really enjoy that relationship, as we've seen. If we share his interests and if we engage in this two-way communication of, of the Word of God and prayer, and if we learn to trust him, in our struggles. Excellent. Thanks so much, David, for giving us this further study on discipleship. Uh, listeners, we've got one more session coming up with David, part three in a study of discipleship in Mark's gospel. And that is going to be in our next episode, episode number 26. We hope you will join us again and be a part of our lives once again, as we try to help make the Bible part of yours. Thanks so much for tuning into the Practicology podcast. And we pray that you will all have a wonderful day in following the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm.